Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry, and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. Today, we're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry, along with some of our own considerations. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, please enjoy today's program. In practicing the church life and the Christian life revealed in the book of Romans, we need to be exercised to keep the oneness by receiving with grace all genuine believers in Christ, even as God in Christ has received us. Welcome to the Life Study of Romans with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study is the fruit of over 75 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Today we have recorded portions of Witness Lee's sharing from 1975. And joining us once again today to discuss our Life Study is Ron Kangas. Ron, welcome back to the program. I'm glad to be here to fellowship on God's economy according to the book of Romans. Ron, we're going to talk a lot today about the tendency in human beings to be divisive. And of course, this is really just an extension of our tendency toward individualism. And individualism is something that we esteem quite highly, actually, in our American culture. I think we view it more as a virtue in that context at least, why is it not such a virtuous thing in our Christian life, in our church life? Is death virtuous? Is draining away of life and damaging the interests of God on the earth virtuous? These questions can only be answered with a resounding no. Division is one of the most serious things in the sight of God because it damages the organic body of Christ. I would slightly modify your comment about division being just an extension of our individualism. It is, but I wouldn't say just. The reason I speak this way is this. When we are individualistic, we detach ourselves from something corporate and care only for our private interests and feelings. We may not do anything overt to cause further damage to that corporate entity. Divisiveness not only separates us, divisiveness spreads this kind of separation and division. That's why it's so serious. There is something in our fallen nature that is, on the one hand, individualistic, cultivating itself for itself. But on the other hand, it's divisive. That is, it has the pernicious capacity to sow discord and cause division. It is this element 
in our fallen nature that desperately needs to be addressed by us according to the divine revelation, particularly in Romans. Ron, thank you. I take your adjustment. Appreciate your fellowship. Let's join Witness Lee with today's life study. We all have to know in our natural being, we like to be divisive. No one of the human beings led to be one with anyone. Led to be really united. This is not just to be individualistic, but divisive. You are dividing. You are so divisive. There is a tendency in your natural being to be divisive. To be divisive is something more than natural. To be divisive is worse than to be individualistic. Mm -hmm. To be individualistic is just to stay by yourself. I like to stay by myself. Don't touch me. I like to be what I am. I just like to be this kind of Christian. I just like to be what I am. This is individualistic. And what is to be divisive? To be divisive is just a cultivation. In chapter 12, you have the transformation. And in chapter 12, you have also the matter of building. But in chapters 14 and 15, you have you have the saving in Christ's life from our divisive nature. From our divisive makeup. We all have such a makeup that is divisive. Well, here the Apostle Paul is talking again, as he does all through the whole book, not in a doctrinal way, but in a way full of experience. After he revealed to us the body life in twelve, he tells us that we have to be careful, to be careful in the matter of receiving the saints. If you read the Bible with the history, you can see even in the first century, there were different kind of Christians. Some Christians just eat the herb. Those might be called the herb-eating Christians. <laughs> and some, by that time, ate everything. So we can call them all-thing-eating Christians. They don't care turtle, they don't care mice, or even the serpent. As long as there's no poison, they will eat. Just like the Cantonese. But <laughs> <laughs> Paul's writing, you can see, there were at least two categories of Christians. The herb-eating Christians, all-thing-eating Christians. Another two categories. Some Christians by that time still observe the day. They said this is the holy day, and this is the new moon. 
But some say, no, we don't care for these things. We only care for Christ. Every day is the same. So, some are the day-observing Christians. And some are day-by-day -day Christians. <laughs> but I don't care for this. I only care for one thing. Let me check with you. Do you believe that the Lord Jesus is your Savior? Yes, I do. Do you believe the Lord Jesus died on the cross for your sins? And he was resurrected? And he is now within you? Absolutely, in my spirit. <laughs> as long as he believes in the same Christ whom we all believe, we have to recognize he's a brother. But in the Gospel of John, the Lord Jesus strongly prayed for the oneness of all the believers. Yet already by the first century, as we see in Romans, there were divisions creeping into the body of Christ. What did the Apostle have to say about this kind of situation? To understand what Paul had to say, we simply need to read the last portion of Romans 16 and contrast Paul's attitude toward the matters covered in chapters 14 and 15. In chapters 14 and 15, Paul, in Christ, was very general about diet, about the keeping of days, about the receiving of the believers. But in chapter 16, that's toward the end of chapter 16, we see that Paul was utterly intolerant of division. He was not passive. He was very assertive in the Lord. He told the saints in Rome, meeting as the church in Rome, to mark those who cause divisions and have nothing to do with them. Once we're clear that there is such a person active in our midst and we mark him, as such a one, then we should turn away from him because division is a contagion, it's a germ. And in our fallen nature, we have the capacity to activate uh, this germ. So we need to stand in Christ for the oneness of the body of Christ expressed in practicality in the local churches, receiving all the believers, yet marking those who cause division, turning from them, because according to God and according to his spokesman Paul, division is intolerable. Concerning this matter, we all need to be awakened. We rightly do not tolerate sinful things and idolatrous things, but there is altogether too much toleration for divisiveness. We may justify it. We may say, well, we are really one in a kind of invisible way, or when we're in heaven, all the labels will be dropped. This may be the traditional attitude of the religionists in America, but it's not the attitude of Paul. Paul dealt with divisiveness immediately and absolutely, and so should we. However, the point here is not primarily to deal with divisiveness in others, 
but to deal with the divisiveness in ourselves through the saving life of Christ in God's organic salvation. Ron, let's go back to Witness Lee for more of our life study. Now, we must realize, first of all, based upon Colossians 2, verses 16 and 17, that in the Bible, all the regulations about the physical things and all the regulations about outward observances are types of Christ. They are shadows of Christ. Paul, in Romans 14, covers the matter of eating and the matter of keeping days. Eating is something inward. And keeping of days is something relating to the outward regulation. Now, we come to Colossians 2.16. It says, don't be bothered by the matter of eating or drinking, nor by the matter of days. So here in Colossians 2.16, the principle is the same. The matter of eating to get something into you and to have something to become you. And also the outward keeping of days, all these are shadows. We all know what is a shadow. Here you have the light. I'm standing here. You see, there is a shadow. That is a shadow. But the body is me. The shadow is just a shadow. But this man is the reality of that shadow. Eating, drinking, Sabbath, new moon, holy day, all these are just a shadow. And the body of this shadow is Christ. Christ is the reality. God's intention was for Christ. Anything that is not Christ, don't touch. As to the matter of kidding days, every day is the same in the eyes of God. But in order to typify Christ, God even used days to typify Christ. Christ is the real Sabbath day. This means Christ is our real rest. Christ is the perfection of everything God has done. So Christ is our satisfaction and Christ is our rest. And this is Christ being our Sabbath. God didn't care really for the days, but for Christ. Anything that is Christ, you have to keep it. Anything that is not for Christ, you just have to forget about it. Well, Ron, as we have been seeing, the divisions in the early church were primarily the result of some Christians preferring a certain type of diet and others holding the observance of special days. But Paul saw all of these items as pictures and types of our enjoyment and experience of Christ. And it seems that in this view, this seeing the reality of Christ in so many things, there's a saving factor that contributes to our being freed from the divisiveness. Paul became a person in Christ who was absolutely focused on Christ and on Christ's interest on the earth concerning his body. For Paul... 
Christ was everything, and every positive thing in the universe was a picture of the all-inclusive Christ enjoyed by this brother. When he dealt with problems, he dealt with them in a Christ-centered and Christ-conscious way. One of the basic factors of division is that we care for certain things other than Christ or more than Christ, or in our concern about these things, we forget Christ and we make issues of them. So in the examples of eating and keeping of days, Paul's view would be, Christ is the real food. Christ is the one whom we enjoy. Let us not care about diet, whether you eat meat or not, whether you eat organically grown foods or not. Let us acknowledge one another's liberty in Christ regarding these and agree to care for Christ. Same thing with the keeping of days. Some want to single out as Saturday, as the Sabbath day, and keep that day. Others would rather keep the Lord's day, the first day of the week, the day of resurrection. What do we really care about actually and practically, brothers and sisters? Do we care for Christ? Is Christ our Sabbath? Is Christ the reality of the Lord's day? If we care for Christ actually and practically, we will see things in perspective. So, if we come together and care for Christ, and if Christ is preeminent among us, spontaneously we will stop making issues of so many things that have nothing to do with Christ, nothing to do with the faith. So we can learn a deep lesson here positively to really care for Christ, pursue him, experience him, enjoy him, live in him, exalt him, magnify him, minister him, and negatively not to make issues of outward things. They're not sinful. They're not worldly. They're things about which we have honest differences. Let's not make issues of these things. Let us all focus on our wonderful, all-inclusive Christ. Ron, thank you. That is very pertinent fellowship, no doubt, to all of our situations today. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of the life study. We all have to realize two signs. Number one, all these physical things are not the real thing. All these physical things are for Christ. Number two, so many real Christians are not so pure, are not so strong, are not so much delivered out of their understanding. So we have to keep ourselves open to all of them. Otherwise, we will be divisive. We will be divisive. This is the real situation today. Today, all the Christians are not only divisive, but all are divided. The real Christians all believe that the Lord Jesus is the Son of God. And he became a man by the name Jesus. And he lived on this earth 33 and a half years. And eventually he was put on the cross. And he died there for our sins. And he was buried for three days. And he resurrected from the dead. And now, as a resurrecting Christ, 
and the living Christ, he's there at the right hand of God, and he's also as a spirit living with us. I do believe that all believe the same thing. We all believe this. But let me tell you, it's really hard for all Christians to be of the same kind of understanding of every verse of the Bible. The Bible has 66 books. A lot of things covered here. How could we expect that all the real Christians will have the same kind of understanding of every verse of the Bible? It's impossible. Even it is impossible for myself. Two years ago, this verse I understood in that way. After two years, today, I changed my understanding. Even I myself cannot reconcile with myself in the understanding of the Bible. And how could we expect that we all may have the same kind of understanding of the Bible? It's impossible. You shouldn't expect, neither I should, we all shouldn't expect that Christians could be the same in so many different things. Right, right. It's impossible. Right, right, right. Don't take any occasion to be divisive. No excuse. No occasion for us to divide anyone. Now, the way for us to stay away from being divisive is to realize and experience the very Christ as the triune God being live to us. To realize the real, real oneness is Christ issuing in the church life. We are open to tongue-speaking people. We are open to the immersion people. We are open to the spending people. We are open to Sunday people. We are open to all kinds of real Christians. And this is why, in our heart and in our spirit, we have to be open to all kinds of Christians. There is the full possibility for the Christians to be one. And praise the Lord, by His mercy, at least there is such a testimony on this earth. A good number of Christians with different background today, they are really one. They are really one, not in their understanding, not in their concept. They are really one in Christ issuing the church life. Ron, surely the point here in this last section is very profound. Our oneness with all believers could never be based on our agreement of the meaning of every verse in Scripture. So then, what is the basis for this oneness? And also, let me ask you, what did Witness Lee mean that by God's mercy, at least, there must be such a testimony on this earth? Let me respond to your questions uh, with a reminder that we're dealing with these matters within the context of the book of Romans. And in Romans, the basis of our oneness is we receive all kinds and every kind of genuine believers in Christ. 
we receive one another as God has received us, as Christ has received us. This means that we are truly general in our attitude. We do not make issues over modes of baptism, over ways of interpreting prophecy, over the gifts of the Spirit. We can receive all kinds of believers. This is marvelous, this is necessary, and this is crucial. Unfortunately, the actual and practical situation of the vast majority of Christians today is not this way. Uh, you may go to a group of Christians and they raise questions about the method of baptism or your view on the rapture or your position on the baptism in the Spirit. Uh, these issues or these questions have some interest, but when they are raised in the context of our initial contact with each other in fellowship, they are divisive. Instead of even raising these questions, we should rejoice when we see a brother and sister in the Lord and receive them in the Lord. It is crucial, and now I'm coming to your second question, it is crucial that we realize God must have a testimony of the oneness of his body on the earth. We do not want the devil, Satan, to mock the Lord in the heavenlies by saying, look, look at your church, it's divided. Look, you prayed for oneness, but look at them. There must be, on earth, by the Lord's mercy, a testimony of the actual and practical oneness of the church as the expression of the one unique body of Christ. And I'll add this to give you something to think about. Until such a testimony is built up at least in miniature, the Lord will not come back. The church must, at least through its overcoming segment, fulfill God's purpose in oneness so that the Lord can come back for such a church as his bride. What I'm trying to say is, from God's point of view, this is crucial. If we love him, we must be burdened for what he's burdened about, and that is a testimony of the builded body of Christ in actual and practical oneness in the cities where we live. May the Lord have it for his glory and for the shame of the enemy. Ron, our time is short, but I can concur with your word that there is nothing in this age that would be a greater shame to his enemy than this kind of testimony. Thank you for your fellowship today. I hope you come back very soon. I hope so, too. Until our next time together with another life study of Romans with Witness Lee, this is Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Me, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.